Rosie was a middle-aged woman who phoned us one day uh, and asked if we could have Bible study with her. And then she used a phrase that I hadn't heard before that makes a lot more sense to me now. She says, I want to find myself. Those were the words that she used. Can we have Bible study together? And so we did meet together in a, uh, on a picnic table in the middle of a picnic site uh, regularly. And some months later, Rosie had found herself, well, with the Lord. Uh, and she gave her heart to the Lord. She repented before him in tears. She was baptized, and she was sitting there. I can still see her smile as she sat there on the first uh, Sunday that we had uh, in the little church that God had birthed there in the town of Polis in Cyprus. I want to find myself. The title today is, Who Am I? And just like a couple of weeks ago, when we asked these questions, we asked two weeks ago, Who are you, God? We're going to do the same thing. We're not going to discuss it. I'm not going to ask you, and you're not, I'm not going to tell you uh, my thoughts. We're going to straight to God. That's where truth is. So we're going to ask that question, who am I, God? We're going to read a few passages of Scripture, and you can follow. I think the references are there on the sheet, and maybe you can follow with me. If not, just listen carefully as we come to God's word because we're coming to uh, what King David said inspired by God, what Hannah, Samuel's mother, said inspired by God, what Paul said inspired by God, and what God himself has said as we read these verses. Psalm 139 verses, from verse 13. You created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Isaiah 46, and I'm reading verses 3 and 4. Listen to me. This is God speaking. You whom I have upheld since your birth and have carried since you were born, even to your old age, and gray hairs. I am he. I am he who will sustain you. I have made you, and I will carry you. I will sustain you, and I will rescue you. Then we come to Hannah's prayer in 1 Samuel chapter 2. And just picking out one verse from it, verse 6. The Lord brings death and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and raises or resurrects up. And then one more passage in Acts chapter 17, 
This is where Paul was in the city of Athens talking to the philosophers. Those who love to talk and discuss. But he was bringing them God's truth. In Acts 17, and I'm starting from verse 25. God is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Because he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. From one man he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined the time set for them. And the exact places where they should live. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our beginning. We are his offspring. A lot of passages. God's speaking very clearly to us here. Let me just highlight some of those things that we read, that we can understand what God is saying to us as we ask him the question, Who am I? The first answer that we have from God is, I made you. The psalmist talked about, in my inmost being. You created my inmost being. Not just talking about the body. We're talking about the essence of me. My identity. My person. Michael. I created your inmost being. Not just my body. But my body was there as well when he talked about you knit together in, in the womb from the beginning. Right from the beginning, God created me. While I was conceived and in the womb, God had done the creation. Sometimes we have this idea, I suppose, that, well, God, I know God created Adam. And he created Eve, and I know how he did that. But after that, he told them to go forth and multiply. And so they then created their children and their children and their children, right down to where we are today. It was my parents uh, that brought me into this world. God would make it very clear to us, no, that's not true. I made you. And each one of us, as we think of ourselves, God is saying to us, When we ask the question, who am I, God? He says, I made you. Not just Adam and Eve. Fearfully and wonderfully made. No mistakes. No accidents. We hear sometimes from people uh, who will say, I think I was just a mistake. (laughs) An extra one. An accident that just happened. Not one of us was a mistake or an accident because God is the one who created us. Every single individual of us. Psalmist went on to say, your eyes saw my unformed body. He watched me being growing even in the womb. He was watching all the time. He saw me the whole way through. He ordained my days, wrote them down in his book. My life was mapped out for me. 
before I was even born, before I was even conceived. God says, I upheld you, I carried you, I sustained you, I rescued you, right from conception, through birth. And I'm sure you picked up that right to old age. God has his hands on us. God, Jehovah God, is the one who decides life and death. So much that we see around us, so much that we see on the media and such like that, we begin to think that it's people that make those decisions. It's not. God is the one who decides life and death, the grave and resurrection. He gives all men life and breath. He made every nation. He set those nations in place. He set our place where we were born. We are his offspring. That word offspring, it does not mean we are his children. It's more the idea of genus or of his kind. It reminds us that right back in Genesis, God told us that he made us in his image. Every single person made in the image of God. I hope we can grasp some of these things because it's so easy to get the wrong idea and have our own opinions and hear others' opinions. But when we come to ask God, who am I, God? He makes it very clear, I made you. But he goes on to say, I made you for a purpose. Well, that's another of our questions, isn't it? Why am I here? What's my purpose? Well, God has his answer. Who am I, God? What purpose did you make me for? A couple of verses from Isaiah 43, where God again is talking. He says there in verse 7, Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made, the people I formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. God was speaking there. Did you notice the my's there? I call you by my name. I created you for my glory. I formed you for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. Think of that. What's my purpose? (laughs) My purpose is for God, for his glory, for the praise of his name, for him. We've got it the wrong way around, have we not? So often we think of God as for me. How we love those verses when God tells us, I will never leave you or forsake you. I'm there. I'm there for you when you need me, when you have trouble, when you need comfort. I'm there for you. The real truth when it comes down to it is God created me for him, for his glory, for the praise of his name. I was created for himself. That helps us to understand a little bit when 
Peter and Paul teach us in the New Testament about this of bringing glory to God and praising his name. Peter says, If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever. If anyone speaks, they should do it as one speaks the very words of God. It's not saying we, we're speaking always verses from the Bible. It's talking about what comes out of my mouth are the words that bring glory and praise to God. They're His truth. They're His kindness. They're His love. The words that come out, do they glorify Him? Do they praise His name? The works, the service that I do, do I do that in my strength? I can do that. I have the ability. Or do I recognize the strength that God gives? God is the one who enables. And if God doesn't enable, I can't do it. Because it's only then that God will be praised. It's only then that he will get the glory forever and ever. Oh, we use those words so often. Oh, yes, everything is for the glory of God. Paul tells us that too, doesn't he? Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. That's our purpose. That's what we were made for. And yet, in all truth, as we stop and just think on these things, the immediate thought comes to us. That's not really how I've been living my life. We tend to live our lives for my glory. Now, we wouldn't say that out, of course. We're too polite to say that. But what pleases me, what I think, what I believe, what brings makes people think well of me. That's what I speak. That's what I do. And God would say, well, you've asked me who you are. I made you, and I made you for me, for my glory, and for you to bring praise to my name. And I think to be absolute honest in front of God, whether we're honest in front of each other or not, As we stand before God, we would have to suddenly realize we've failed. We haven't done that in our lives. Our lives did not consist of bringing glory to him, praising his name. We failed. God would say, yes, you have. Didn't he tell us in just a few words? That verse we know so well again, Romans 3, 23. There's no difference. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Suddenly these verses, they make sense. 
suddenly they fit. I've been getting it wrong. It's not about me. I wasn't created for me. I was created for him. To bring glory to him. And praise to his name. What does a creator do? What does someone do when they make something for a certain purpose and and it just doesn't fit? It doesn't make it. That purpose has failed. We throw it away. It's no use. We made it for something, for a purpose. But if it's not going to reach that purpose, it's no use to us. That's exactly what God should have done. I created you for my glory. You failed. You didn't bring glory to me. You fell short of my glory. And so has God just thrown us all away? What will he do? Start again? What difference, to be honest, would that make? Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who in his great mercy has given us new birth to a living hope through the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to God. Praise be to God, who in his great mercy has given us a new birth. Starting all over again? No, 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 no. Not starting all over again. The same thing would happen. I'm giving you a new birth, born of God, into my family. John 1.12 makes that so clear. To everyone who receives the Lord Jesus as Lord of their lives, to those who believe in his name, his name is Savior, to those who believe that he has died to save us from our sins, he gave the right to become the children of God, born of God. There's a difference, isn't there? We're all God's creation. Everyone in this world is God's creation. But we're not all the family of God. We haven't all been born into his family. And that's the difference that God make, <clears throat> has made. Because he says, now <clears throat> I give you a new birth into a living hope through the Lord Jesus Christ. How can God do that? Does he just forget about the fact that we have failed him? Failed our purpose that he made us for? Does he just say, oh, that's no use. I'm going to do something else. I'm going to just start again. He can't do that. He's a God of truth. He's a God who is holy. I love the way that Paul wrote as he wrote to the Galatian believers. The beginning of his letter, he said, grace and peace to you. If you're worried about where you are in front of God because we failed, he says, grace and peace to you 
from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age. According to the will of our God and Father. He's in control. He's always been in control and he's still in control. It happens my way, he says. It's according to my will. And then verse 5 says, to whom be glory forever and ever. He gave his son. Christ died for our sins to rescue us from the failure we are. It cost him. Your new birth was not something that didn't cost. This is not just God saying, right, I'll just do something different. This is God having to deal with our failure by the giving of his son for our sin. But it enables him to birth us into his family when we receive his son as our Savior and Lord. So, and I know most of you here have been born again, have been born of God into the family of God. A new birth, a new hope, a new life for a purpose. What's the purpose? Let me read to you from Ephesians 1. <clears throat> Verse 11, in him, we, in Christ, we were also chosen, having been predestined. That means decided beforehand, before the world even was created, these decisions were made. Predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. Let's make no mistake. God does his will, what he wants, his plans, his purposes. Verse 12, it says, in order that we who are the first to hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. Purpose hasn't changed. Our new birth, our new life that we have, that new life that you were given the day that you trusted Christ as your Savior and Lord, that you were born into his family, that was not the end. You were born into his family for a purpose. And that purpose was for the praise of his glory. It brings back what Peter told us, doesn't it again? If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. You're a child of God. Have you been born into his family? Your words, the purpose of you being in his family is that your words would be his words. Those words that are truth, not opinions, not your thoughts, truth, that are love, that are kind, that are honest, a serving of God that's done with what he enables rather than what I think I can do. Why? So that in all things, 
God may be praised. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Oh, brothers and sisters, we need to understand our purpose in life. God created us. We failed him. But God, through his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, has birthed us into his family when we receive Jesus as our Savior. And he has the same purpose that our lives, and now we can live our lives for the praise of his glory. I was sharing with Paul earlier this week. It it amazes me and it thrills me to know that in my heart today, There is a desire to bring praise and glory to God. And I know that if you belong to him, that desire is in your heart as well. Oh, we might not be satisfied with how well we do that. And we fail often too. But that desire is, where did that desire come from? I didn't have that desire before I was saved. Before I was born into the family of God, I never even thought about that. I just lived for myself. Where did that desire come that I want to live for the glory of God to praise his name? It came from the new birth that we were given. The seed of God that brought us into his family but gave us a new heart, new desires. I thrill at that. I just thank God so often just for the changes he has made, for for the new life that I have in him that wants to bring glory to him, that wants to praise his name. In everything, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, your purpose is to do all for the glory of God. Will we not fail again? Will we not? We failed before. Will we not fail again? Listen to this from Second Corinthians chapter 3. And we all reflect the Lord's glory, or behold the Lord's glory. We all reflect the Lord's glory and we are being transformed into his likeness. That's what's happening. As children of God, we're being transformed, changed into the likeness of Christ with ever-increasing glory. Oh, I hope we can see that in our lives. Is that what's happening with our lives? Ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. That's the difference from a creation that failed God. When he created me, I failed him. To a birth that enables me to live for him and for his glory. How? Because I'm trying harder? No, because it comes from the Lord, who is a spirit. We glory in the fact that God has given us his Holy Spirit in our lives to change us, to transform us, to mold us more and more like Christ so that we can bring glory to him 
ever-increasing glory that we can praise his name. That our lives be more and more for him. He will do. He's created us or he's given us a new birth for a purpose to bring glory to him. God would tell us as we ask, as we're still asking him, who am I, God? He says, I, God, will achieve that purpose. (laughs) He's not trusting us to do it ourselves. We couldn't, could we? We would just fail all over again. He says, I'm doing it. That work that I started in you the day that you were birthed into my family, I will bring it to completion. That work of transforming you, changing you to be more and more like my son. Day by day, through the Holy Spirit, he's changing us for his glory. And he says, I will achieve it. John realized that, didn't he, when he wrote that first letter. In 1 John 3, 2. And he, he was just excited about who he is now. And what the end was going to be. He said, dear friends, now we are children of God. What we will be has not yet been made known. The future, we don't have all the answers. What am I going to look like? What am I I going to do? How will it be? He says, we don't yet know that. But this thing we know, that when he appears, we will be like. Why? Because we've tried so hard. Oh no. Because it's God's work. And because God will complete it. And I find that amazing to think that when I am with him in glory, I will be like him. And I will see him as he is. Who am I, God? You're mine. And I made you I birthed you into my family so that you can bring glory to me and praise to my name. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He's working out his plans. No one's going to stop them. And we're part of those plans. And he's working in us. Oh, don't let's hinder him. Let him change us. With ever increasing glory. To be more and more like his lovely, perfect son. Our Savior, our Lord. Let's pray. Oh, Father, forgive us for those times that we have got our thinking all wrong. Thank you for creating us. Thank you that we are special in your sight. We are personal in your sight. And thank you that despite our failure, our selfishness, our sin, 
you are willing to give your son for us. That we could be born into your family. A new birth into a living hope. Father, I pray that your spirit alive in us will help us to live for you. And help us by your spirit more and more to bring glory to you. To praise your name. Your ways are wonderful. Your ways are true and right. We thank you that you're a God who carries out your will for the praise of your glory. And thank you that we're part of that. In Jesus' precious name. Amen.